Welcome back to Diamond Gems, a Shape by Sports baseball podcast. As always, I am Jacob Coates, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Greg Fulton and Isaac Coates. How are you boys doing? Good. I'm hanging out at the cottage. I uh, risked the lungs with a little bit of as- asbestos poisoning. Uh, I'm up in the attic, so yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yep, take one for the team. We appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the Saturday afternoon, not golfing because Jacob wanted to do the podcast so early in the day today. (laughs) Yeah, we are recording it on a Saturday, so uh, you'll probably be hearing this Monday morning as always, but uh, if we missed some big news on Sunday, uh, it's because we're recording on the Saturday today. You know, with Father's Day, we've got some plans going on, so I have to shuffle it up a little bit, but uh, I'm really just surprised to see Isaac speaking English. Uh, right out of the gate here normally he's 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 come with french and spanish so far so i thought maybe he'd come in with some german or something this time yeah i I still need to i need to up my german first before i jump in with that all right all the only german word i think i know is gutentag in like volkswagen sauerkraut okay true oktoberfest there we go (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh let's move right into the obvious news that we have to cover here, which is uh, the MLB has officially announced that as of June 20th, it will be banning substances to foreign substances for pitchers. That includes spider tack, as well as the, you know, the league accepted kind of uh, sunscreen mixed with rosin. So basically pitchers are going to have to go out there raw dog now. Um, It's going to be a 10 game suspension for anyone caught using these substances and man it's uh i think the league might have got this one wrong where do you guys stand with this it's a little odd to just do it mid-season this is like the major complaint from glasnow himself was saying just like you can't implement this stuff mid-season and trevor bauer too was saying the same thing after you're letting them pitch like this for their entire career and then all of a sudden 60 games in you're like fuck it you can't pitch like with anything at all it's a safety concern for everybody involved um i think both sides of the field were speaking out offensive players defensive players everyone's scared of getting hit and well either hit in the face or blowing at their elbows well said i also want to throw in i think this was uh i can't remember whose rant it was in but someone's rant uh included the fact that hitters are allowed to use pine tar for an advantage for grip it seems like something something normal. You don't get the bats flying into the stands, you know, see some more offense. Why why do pitchers need to be regulated so tightly? But, you know, hitters, catchers, they can all use those those kind of substances to help them out. Yeah, and it, it might be a situation here where the MLB is realizing how down the averages are. And, you know, maybe they, they're thinking that the audience wants to see a little bit more offense. And this is kind of their way of overcorrecting in a way, and hoping that the offense is able to bounce back. But I stand especially with like with, with what Isaac said and with what the players are saying about injuries. You think even just like in fantasy baseball, like you don't make mid-season changes to the rules because everyone comes into the season prepared for the rules and guidelines that are in place at the beginning of the year. When you make changes mid-season, it fucks up everybody's routine it could lead to more injuries. It's just going to kind of be like this jumbled disaster of like, you know, people trying to adjust. So I think that the league definitely fucked up a little bit here. I I, I think we both all agree that like we knew that something needed to be done, but 
I think most of us probably thought we were just going to see like a crackdown on like the spider tack and that, you know, the sunscreen rosin mix or whatever would kind of still continue to, to slide here. I'm curious to see at the end of the season if there, I'm sure they'll re- revisit it. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards them bringing back sunscreen and rosin, but things like pine tar, things like spider tack and all those other substances, those aren't there for grip. Those are there to up your spin rate. And you see, you can see, go on YouTube, you can see a lot of videos of people playing around with the different kinds of um, tacks and stuff they can use. And you can see the, a huge difference between anything from rosin and sunscreen compared to all those other substances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of been beaten to death at this point, but the whole steroid era versus the, the sticky stuff era. Um, with the steroid era, you kind of draw the line at, you know, poking a needle in your ass. But who's to say you can't go, you know, have a high protein diet, bulk up a little bit, get that competitive advantage to your point with the sunscreen and rosin. It's just normal, normal shit they're using. It's not like they're doing anything exceptional, like the spider tack that's made to get that competitive advantage. So I'm okay with the sunscreen rosin stuff. At the end of the day, I think we should point the finger at Garrett Cole and the 2017 through 2019 Astros just being cheaters all the way through. But yeah, and obviously Carlos Rodon had something to say about that you should check out that video if you haven't seen it we did post it on our instagram account shaped by sports but he essentially said the way i look at it you are like in such a rush to you know crack down on this so-called cheating that the pitchers are doing but yet the astros won a world series based off electronic sign stealing and you didn't give any punishment to anyone except some of the guys in the front office and the and their manager. So I, I completely agree with that sentiment as well. It's just like the league is just kind of all over the place right now. And it's obviously it's good to see the players start speaking out and stuff. But you got to assume again with that with that players meeting, uh, the players association meeting that's coming up in the off season, that all this tension is probably not good in terms of like having our season next year start on time, you got to think that these guys are going to be, you know, wanting to get their two cents in and make sure that that things are going back in the players' favor here because they're being put in some awkward situations right now for sure. I think what blows my mind a little bit is the whole dirty little secret. It's been going on for so long. The MLB has been quietly investigating it for all this time and this is the solution they came up with just blows my mind years and years of investigation and they just decide to throw a mid-season change out just it I don't, not great mm-hmm. so the other the other big interview that came out was the tyler glasnow one where he was like visibly pissed off he came out of his start after i don't know how what was it like i don't even know if he made it through the first inning but he basically said you know the way that these, like, with how slick these balls are right now, pause, he basically said that, you know, like, you have to tighten your grip on the ball so much, and that just adds strain to different areas of your arm, including your forearm and your elbow. He said that the first time he did that after, you know, using his usual mix of sunscreen and rosin, he said the first game against the Nationals after he did that, he woke up the next day feeling sore in places he didn't even know he had muscles. And then the next time he went out there 
obviously he felt a pop in his elbow, which is just a horrific thing to, to visualize and think about feeling as a, as a big league pitcher and just a human being really. Turns out he actually had a partial UCL tear and a flexor strain. Those two combined things usually equal Tommy John. So they're saying right now he's just going to try and rest and see what happens, but it doesn't look good for him. He will probably need Tommy John. What did you guys make of, of Tyler Glasnow's comments? I thought they were very interesting because um, they kind of brought us a side that we actually hadn't heard yet from the players um, about the grip and about the safety concerns using those grips. And Tyler Glasnow was pretty straight up about saying he has never he's always used the rosin and sunscreen combination for grip. He's never used anything to enhance his spin rate. Um, and he he wasn't against changes in the league, but he was against changes in the league going and putting being sorry being put in place at this moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I I thought it was a very interesting and uh, like a very it really opened the dialogue for us to talk about and for the rest of the league too. And to that point, if you do give them a full off season to adjust to not having even just sunscreen and rosin, I'm sure there are ways to, you know, strengthen your flexors, strengthen your rotator cuff that, you know, maybe you're not going to be as prone to injury. You do a little more physical therapy, but yeah, that abrupt change, just it's asking for disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a crazy situation happening right now. I'm, I'm very interested to see as of, you know, tomorrow uh, or Sunday, June 20th, to see how this kind of plays out moving forward, see if people are are just switching over or if they're just saying, fuck it, I'm just going to go until I get caught here. There was, uh, oh man, who was it? I Maybe Miguel Rojas. I, I, can't, I shouldn't quote that. But there was, there was another pitcher that was basically saying, or another player, sorry, who was saying like, if we, oh, it was Archie Bradley. He basically said that like if he catches one of his teammates doing it, he's like having a chat with them right now, being like, "Look, we can't afford to lose you for ten games. If you go down for ten games, that means other guys are gonna have to compensate and pitch because you just lose that roster spot. Basically, you're not able to call someone up, so it really puts stress on the other on on your teammates. So it's all like even causing conflict within people's." you know, dugouts and bullpens, basically. So it's uh, just really uh, a crazy situation that, that the MLB has put its players in. But, but uh, I, yeah, go ahead, Greg. I was going to say, on that note, it is a paid suspension. So what, I don't know, what goes through my mind, maybe it's not the right way to think, but you get a minor leaguer to come up. If he can find a way to hide it, he's taken a 10-day paid suspension. If he can go out there, throw a shutout inning as a reliever, let's say, like his first taste of the big leagues, doesn't get caught. Um, you know, next time out, maybe gets caught. He's still getting paid. Those guys are the guys that, you know, need the money. They're not the $10, $20 million relievers like a Zach Britton or Oldest Chapman who are going to be a, you know, a huge, you know, component to their team's bullpen, their, their winning strategy. So I could see that being uh, maybe a trend. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to think, but risk reward. But I think, I, I think the organization is really going to look down upon guys doing that because, that suspension slot you don't you can't put them on the IL like those people are taking up a roster spot meaning the rest of the bullpen is going to have to eat more innings leading to pot- potential more injuries it's uh, yeah i i don't know and you might you might set up for those uh 
Williams Astudio serving up a home run to Yerman Mercedes moments. <laughs> yeah, well, we've already seen a lot of uh, a lot of players pitching this year, which is uh, kind, of, kind of strange. I always get a get a kick out of it. I know that probably the players and you know the teams aren't really too thrilled that that's the situation that the game ended up in that they had to put a pitcher or a player out there. But uh, it's kind of fun to watch. I, I like to see some some of the guys that can come out there and actually touch 90 and stuff that are coming out of like you know it's normally just some some organization like organ oh my god organizational guys that are just kind of there um as as bench playing bench roles and stuff and they they're not too worried about them throwing out their arm i remember uh back in the day isaac you probably remember this too but ryan goins came off the bench for the blue jays and he was throwing like 91 out of the bullpen and then of course he hits the (laughs) injured list uh shortly after that after his start because he basically blew his arm out but uh yeah now to that point with these friggin' position players on the mound can we just end the fucking game like do we need nine innings in that case like i i get that it's fun but like we know the result of the game at that point i just we play 162 why the fuck do you need those extra three innings just let it go but what about you know that off chance you get that like historic 11 run bottom of the ninth inning i know the giants three times already this year have put up i think nine or more ten or more in a in one inning i think the moment that you put a position player on the mound you are just not you're accepting that you're not going to score 11 runs in an inning is this it what what if it's the turning turning point of someone's career ryan goins goes out there throws like an immaculate (laughs) inning turns relief pitcher Oh, uh, then we can get rid of these seven inning double headers too if they were banking on these late inning comebacks. If we can play seven innings during a double header, we can play seven innings during a regular game if it's 15 to one. All right, well, this is a whole other discussion. I just want to quickly go back to, you know, I, I mentioned Carlos Rodon had some words for the, for the Astros. Uh, interestingly enough, the, his start after the interview that he gave, basically trashing the Astros was against the Astros. And I was really tuned in to see how that start went because, you know, I'm sure that the some of the guys on the Astros got wind of, of his comments and I was wondering if they were going to come after him hard or, and, and just kind of see what happened there. But he actually went out and pitched seven innings, one earned run, and eight strikeouts. I think he gave up three hits and three walks as well. So he actually had a very good start. Uh, I don't think he even ended up with the win. I think they lost that game in, in a close one. But good to see him get out there. He's been a great story this year. He's, you know, a guy that has dealt with a ton of injuries. He's only appeared in 11 games in his last two years. You know, he's a Tommy John survivor. Uh, he's got He had a sprained wrist. He's had some shoulder issues. Finally, you know, on his way to pitching a full season. It's the longest stretch of health he's had in his career. And he's really really good so far this season he's pitched to the tune of a 1.83 era and a 0.84 whip and honestly at this point in the season is kind of a sleeper for Cy Young if he can keep it up and stay healthy uh obviously he had that near perfect game against against Cleveland where you know it was the the toe hitter as some people are calling it where you know he was so close to getting that perfect game but he hit uh hit someone on the on the foot there in in the ninth inning and basically turned it into a no hitter instead of a perfect game. But 
yeah, he's been a great story to watch and uh, just someone someone I wanted to just give a quick shout out to. So our next little segment here, uh, we actually got a listener request. So shout out to uh, to that person. You know who you are. But we're just going to take a quick dive into the Blue Jays bullpen struggles that have been going on for the last little while. Uh, I know we have a lot of Blue Jay fans that are, are listeners of this podcast. So we'll just do a quick little segment here for you guys because we know that this times are tough right now and you probably want to hear uh, you know if there's any hope or like what can be done to kind of solve this this bullpen issue so basically things are bad right now the Blue Jays have 17 relief losses on the season uh, that's at the time that we're recording this podcast on June 19th um, but basically in my opinion and I mean you guys can give you two cents here too but I really think that this all just comes down to injuries. Um, you know, the Blue Jays actually at the beginning of the season had a pretty good bullpen. They were not giving up many runs and it just looked really dependable. They had, you know, Julian Merriweather coming out in the ninth inning, Dotton 99 on the corner. Uh, Mono was looking good. Dolis was actually pitching pretty well. Uh, Baraki was going. You know, they, they've had some They've had some good some good bullpen arms. Um, but the fact is, they've just all gotten hurt. So I'm going to quickly rhyme off here some of the pitchers who are currently hurt. It is Rafael, Rafael Dolis, Ryan Baraki, Julian Merriweather, David Phelps, A.J. Cole, Thomas Hatch, Carl Edwards Jr., Tommy Malone, and obviously Kirby Yates. Uh, he hasn't pitched a game for the Blue Jays. He was out for the season basically after realizing preseason that he needed Tommy John. But that's like, what, seven of the eight guys that were supposed to be in their bullpen at the start of the season are currently hurt. And that's not even, you know, taking into account the fact that um, Jordan Romano has spent some time on the IL. They've just dealt with like a crazy slew of injuries here. And you know, there's there's no real way to just overcome these injuries. Isaac, what do you what do you think? Like, is it just injuries, or is there something else going on with the bullpen? I know a lot of people have pointed fingers at Charlie Montoyo, and I know you're not a big Charlie Montoyo guy. Do you think that he's to blame for this losing skid? No, I. It's difficult to blame Montoyo for what's happening there. Um, exactly just based on those injuries. There's so many key guys out. I think, I do think, I I never liked Dolis' role with the team. I've always been fairly low on Dolis. You just watch him pitch, and he has to grind during every single at-bat to make an out. doesn't matter who it's with. It could be a batter. It could be a fucking pitcher that he's pitching against, and he'll have an eight-pitch at-bat. I, I don't like the role that Dolis had, and I don't know if that's Monto- on Montoyo, but or he just hasn't had the pieces. Look, we were shocked by Julian Merriweather this year. There's no way we expected him to come out throwing 100. This It was kind of out of nowhere. Like, he was not that pitcher last year. He was a completely different pitcher. I don't think this bullpen was as good, what is as good as they were at the beginning of the season. I don't. If they're all healthy, I still don't think they're to, at that level. And with these injuries, they're obviously bad. And I don't think we can point that finger at Montoyo for that. I think he needs a better 
bullpen to work with. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of agree with that. I don't know if Greg's going to chime in here at all. I don't know. I don't know how tuned in he is to the to the Blue Jays bullpen situation. Isaac and I are a little a little closer to that, but I, I kind of disagree with you in saying that you know Julian Merriweather came out of nowhere. He is someone that went. He was part of that Josh Donaldson trade with Cleveland, and he was this guy who was had a decent amount of potential, and people knew that he he could be a good reliever, but he's just had a ton of injuries. So for him to actually be out on the field and performing, it's true that, yes, that kind of came out of nowhere, but he's always had some expectations here uh, that he could potentially be a good reliever, and we got a glimpse of it early in the season this year, but then he got hurt. And, you know, when you pick up a guy like that, you can say that, you know, maybe we should have expected that he was going to be hurt. So you can't really bank on on him being there. I was not. I wasn't knocking Julian Mary Mary rather. Okay, he had potential absolutely, but we did not throw. He ha- we did not know he had that gas. True. And we were we were so high on Romano coming into the season, and before Yates was deemed out for the season, we were expecting it would be between Yates and Romano. We didn't. Mm-hmm. Nobody actually talked about Merriweather in those last two frames. And then he came out and he was throwing absolute gas. And I think, yes, when he, com- if, when he comes back, he will be a key player. And I, he, he probably is our best guy in the bullpen. But, yeah, I wasn't knocking him. Yeah. David Phelps is another guy, too, who had been pretty decent last season. He'd been pretty good this year as well. He's out for the year. Uh, Ryan Barucki is looking like he might be back late June, but no firm timetable there either. He's also a guy that, since he moved to the bullpen, has been a really effective lefty out of the pen. AJ Cole was a guy who was actually pretty solid last season for the Blue Jays as well. I think if you play the what if game here, you can kind of look at what the the closer situation or like the bullpen situation would have been beginning of the season. In an ideal world world where none of these guys are hurt, Yates is your closer or high leverage guy. You know, Romano basically the kind of backup or or closer like 1B to the 1A Kirby Yates situation. Merriweather and Barucki were kind of like this good lefty, righty kind of setup role type of guys that we would have expected. And then like Isaac said, once we actually saw Merriweather's stuff, you know, it, it kind of elevated him to the the more high leverage, like closer situation. Um, but then like you have guys like David Phelps, AJ Cole, and Dolis. If all of those other arms are healthy, those guys are kind of your, your lower leverage. Maybe they come in in the occasional close game. That's kind of where those type of guys belong. And that's where Rafael Dolis, in my mind, really got fucked over because he's just been asked to pitch above his pay grade. Basically, you know, he's he's not an elite relief pitcher, but he's been asked to pitch in elite relief pitcher situations, which then kind of leads to him imploding on himself a little bit. He's a guy you'd like to see come in if the Jays have like, you know, they're down by three or something in kind of like the sixth inning. Like that's kind of the situation that that he belongs in. And he's been asked to do a lot more than that. And it's just really not fair to expect that that he should be able to carry that role. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I'm not too down to earth on what the Jays are doing on a, on a daily basis, but uh, one of the names that I loved watching last year when I did watch him was Thomas Hatch. I know you mentioned him 
um, but he would kind of come back as a starter. But uh, from a, an outsider standpoint, Thomas Hatch, Kirby Yates, obviously your big signing out. That kind of sucks. Um, but I think if the Blue Jays could figure out their bullpen, maybe add a good starter and they could uh, compete for the division. I know that might be a bit of a stretch, but that's my two cents on the Blue Jays as a whole. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, the, the best way to kind of get around this and the only real solution here based on the timetable of like when these guys are coming back, as Greg mentioned, uh, Thomas Hatch is actually somewhat closer to being uh, brought back. I believe he's on a rehab assignment right now. Don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure, but he is kind of being groomed to come back as a starter. So he won't necessarily be put into that bullpen and help the bullpen that way. But him being put into the rotation takes it like a like a TJ Zoic out of the rotation and kind of moves him into the bullpen for that kind of like long man role that, you know, Tommy Malone was filling earlier in the year before he got hurt. So it it does add strength to the bullpen having Thomas Hatch come back even as a starter. Um, but really the only way for the Blue Jays to get over this hump, in my opinion, is to go out and get some guys. There's definitely a bunch of good relievers available right now. Uh, my eyes are mostly on Pittsburgh with this stud closer, Richard Rodriguez. Uh, Chris Stratton is also on that team as well. So maybe you can look at getting them in some sort of pa like package deal. Obviously, you'd have to give up something to get something, but the Blue Jays have like a pretty deep system. They can afford to get rid of like, you know, a Richard Urania or, or some sort of, you know, guy that is just like an organizational guy um, or even just like a, a younger kind of like low, f like low floor, mid ceiling type of guy that, you know, you could, you can, you can take the risk that he might be a decent player at some point because at this point, if you think you're competing to, you know, make the playoffs and potentially win the World Series, you're going to need these guys now. So I think that they need to start making some moves immediately. Yeah, on the on the point on, of Rodriguez, um, it, that I'm I'll, I've been huge on him all year. But he is definitely the number one target for many teams. So to get somebody like that, it is going to cost some real chips. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what they can do with that. We didn't even mention Tyler Chatwood, did we? No, we didn't. Because at the beginning of the season, when we got him, we knew, at least like we were talking about it before, we knew he, could, he had potential to pitch well, but he also has potential to give up 10 runs in an inning. We've seen it. We saw it in Chicago. He's done all that shit throughout his career. And he was pitching very well at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. And that was a ticking time bomb, if there was anything. And they started putting him into high leverage stuff, and then he starts giving up, like, four runs per showing. I I don't know. It was too good to be true, I think, at that time. But, um, yeah. I got, I got two points I want to make. One, the whole conversation about the Blue Jays' bullpen. There's one name that I feel like they've just been itching and looking to replace for years and years. And maybe it's just because of the era that I grew up watching the Jays going to their games. But do you, do you know the the reliever I might be thinking of? Luscious locks strutting down from the bullpen, take the mound. It's not ringing bells, man. Scott Downs. Scott Downs. Scott, Scott Downs. <laughs> for years, they're trying to replace this guy. I don't know. He I he was one of my favorite Jays players. Just going to the ballpark when I was younger. Um, 
<laughs> that was the dead era yeah. of Toronto when they were getting 10k at a yeah. game. <laughs> what was it? Who's the? I can't remember his name. It was his last name was Frazier. Oh, what was his Jason. first name? He was pitching. <laughs> oh my god! Jason Frazier. He pitched so much out of the Blue Jays bullpen back in that, that a, era, and that was I, Adams. Everyone just hated seeing Russ him come Adams out. Era. Yeah. You know what we could use is a Brett yeah. Cecil like pitcher too. Gogs. Hey, Ryan Barucki when he comes back is is kind of he's got that similar type of guy, right? Um, yeah. yeah. A couple other. Uh, I just want to throw out a couple other, uh, you know, trade targets that might be available. Um, as I mentioned, I I think they need to kind of move on these people now so they can kind of have their their pick of the litter as it is um, before people start you know taking those names off the board. Um, and maybe some of these teams aren't so urgent to get rid of people until the deadline, but I think, you know, you get more value for these guys. If you're the team dealing them, you get more value now. And if you're the Blue Jays looking to acquire one of them, you get more value by not waiting until the trade deadline when the damage might already be done at that point. Um, but a few other guys that you could uh, you could look into here that might be worth um could potentially be coming to, to the Blue Jays or another contending team. Uh, Yimmy Garcia in Miami. Uh, Taylor Rogers, who I absolutely love on Minnesota. Minnesota's in dead last right now, so I'm assuming they're probably going to concede soon. None of us saw Minnesota being in dead last, I don't think, but that's that's where we are now, and they're not really showing any signs of improvement. Uh, Daniel Bard in Colorado has been putting together a decent season. He's a UFA at the end of the year. Ian Kennedy... Kendall Graveman, and there's just a bunch of other guys on on bad teams, basically, who are approaching free agency that could be available at the at, uh, like basically to the Blue Jays. So I think they need to look into uh, going out and picking up one of those guys. That's really the only way I see them getting through this because you know people are going to come back, but people are also just going to continue to get hurt. So I think they need to make a move. If you're interested in learning more about uh, you know, this topic that we just talked about. I actually just wrote an article. It's on shapebysports.com. It's called the Blue Jays bullpen is a dumpster fire. So basically go through everything we just talked about in a little bit more detail. If you're interested in checking that out, go visit our website. Uh, I want to add one more thing. And I, I know I brought this up before, uh, kind of off mic, uh, non-recorded, but I think a Yankees Blue Jays trade could, uh, could fix, fix two <laughs> problems here. The Yankees have an outfield problem. That's not a secret. Jays have a bullpen problem. Not a secret. I could see a guy like Jonathan Loisaga being a, a Yankees guy. They're shopping around, you know, try to pick up like a Gritchick or something in return. Um, I don't know if uh, you guys think the Jays would benefit from that enough to make the deal, but I feel like that's uh, kind of an interdivisional uh, trade that may or may not happen. I don't know if that gets done, but as a Yankees fan, I would like to see that happen. There's definitely an opportunity for it. Like you said, both both uh, teams kind of have depth in areas that the, the other team does not. But I just think because the Yankees and Blue Jays are so neck and neck right now, I think they're going to be very hesitant to do a trade that benefits both teams. Uh, they don't want to make either team better right now. So I don't, I don't really see that happening, especially with the, you know, the tons of other relievers that are available out there I think you can go to another non-competitive team that doesn't really affect your playoff chances uh negatively you know I guess it would depend on price too if you're looking at a guy uh a guy like Richard Rodriguez 
I, they're probably going to ask for a, a pretty penny for him where you might be able to get more of a depth guy, not to say from the Yankees, but some of those other guys you mentioned uh, at a better price. Mm-hmm. Who, Isaac, who do you think uh, is more likely to get shipped from the Blue Jays uh, outfield? Do you think it's it's more likely to be Randall Gretchik or do you think it might be Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? I think Lourdes, to be honest. I think he offers more value to other teams. I And I'd rather see Gritchick go. As much, like, I, I I like them both, to be honest, but I don't know. I just think Lourdes offers more value for other teams. And, I mean, when Springer comes back, if he's healthy, one of them will have to be shipped out, I would think. Mm-hmm. Lourdes could be a guy maybe that, that goes to, like, Minnesota or something, a team that could use a little bit of outfield help as well. Because um, they're kind of in a, this weird stage where, you know, they might be able to compete again next year if they make a couple make a couple pickups. I don't know if they're going full rebuild. I don't know what their plan is. But, uh, yeah, Lourdes Gurriel it could be a guy that kind of helps another team if they're, you know, right on the brink of, of, of being a – being a contender. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we, I, I don't know if either of those guys, uh, like if one of them is going to be gone by the end of the year, you, you'd have to figure with, uh, with George Springer coming back here at some point, they do have a lot of outfield depth, so they might have to deal one of those guys to, to get a bullpen arm. It's a really bad take and just be like, well, maybe we shouldn't have signed Springer. Arrow <laughs> feels good right now. And, I don't know. Maybe maybe you could somehow... <laughs> Springer's played like Great. 10 games with us. He's still, in my heart, he's still a fucking Houston Astro. Maybe it's time to throw him away for fucking Richard Rodriguez and some key pieces for long-term help. But, but who's going to want him at the at the contract that the Jays signed him at right now? And and that's why Toronto signed him, because nobody else could could afford that. And listen, I'm... I'll I'll come right out and say it, man. I did not like the Springer signing. I also didn't like when they were going to have the Brantley signing. I didn't like that either. I thought the I thought that the Blue Jays Whoa, I, already had some depth. And the the thing is, I just didn't want the Astros there because I don't like having guys on the Blue Jays that I don't want to cheer for. And okay, Michael, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, George Springer. Okay, fine. Michael Brantley is a whole different conversation here. You have a lefty that has had success outside of Houston too. I like I liked Michael Brantley on like a one-year deal. Okay, but after they signed Springer and then the news broke that they were also taking Brantley, that's when I was like, "What the fuck are we doing here? We don't need all these outfielders. Can we chill and maybe go get a starting pitcher or something?" But going back to what I was saying, yeah, I'm I'm not a big George Springer supporter. I think that the Blue Jays' offense doesn't really even need him at this point it's it's more just like you know like i don't know we, we could have spent money elsewhere and I think, i'm disappointed that that's where they they put the money towards and it's backfiring big time right now i'm instantly thinking that i should probably backtrack that i i i don't i don't think we could have banked on the outfield performing this well without springer at this point in the season um so i don't know it's difficult to measure when the guy hasn't fucking played Okay, so the goal is to win a championship, right? 
you're not going to win a championship. Even as star-studded as the Jays lineup is theoretically on paper, they're all so young. You need a veteran star presence. And I think that's what Springer brings. And I feel like that's the the idea that they were kind of running with, right? Yeah, I suppose. But they also got Marcus Semien, who's a great clubhouse leader and, you know, just a, a really good player. And he he can kind of be that I, guy I as agree. well. Springer has just been walking around, limping around in the dugout. He hasn't really been able to lead by example in terms of his play or anything. So, But have you uh, read some of those articles about how he's been helping, you know, Vladdy and Bo in the cage? Just he, you know, obviously he's injured. He can't help them on the field. But in the cage, apparently he's helping them in their, you know, when they're down to two strikes, shorten up their swing, where to, you know, shoot the ball when they're in certain situations. He's a... Yeah, I I really do appreciate the $25 million coaching <laughs> contribution. Yeah, I guess with the Yankees, that's never really an issue. They have too much money. I, they could sign someone for 25 mil to do that. Well, Blue Jays aren't aren't broke either. They they're a very wealthy franchise as well. So yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm okay with the Springer contract because Rogers owning them. They they do nothing. They do fucking nothing. Yeah. So it's okay. It's just money that can be thrown away. It's all good. Yeah, they offer really bad internet to people, but they make a lot <laughs> yeah. of money off of it. I'm on that bell. I'm on that bell life. We right. we're never I'm glitching. We're getting off topic here that. though. <laughs> Maybe the Jays are just trying to play the the trade chips game. Maybe the whole the whole point was to have you know a guy to trade for a starting pitcher because they couldn't lure one in a free agency. So they signed a long term deal and were like, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know. Spr- Let's lock in this guy long term just to trade him in his first Not year. To say like, yeah, if we, if we get enough outfielders, one of them has to be good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they they got that problem with the infielders now. They got what Austin Martin coming up and God knows who else. Jordan Groshans, yeah, but. They're, they're a couple of years away still. Um, but yeah. We also only have one year on Semyon, so it's, that's not... Oh, God, man. I wish they had signed time. him for a couple more years, too. I, uh, I, hope, that, I hope that they can get him back next but season, Did too. you want to take that risk, though, with him? Because he had... Honestly, you look at his career, and he's been adequate defensively. He's had some good defensive years. He's had some bad defensive years. He's only had one really good offensive season. I think you banking on him paying like eighteen million dollars a year for like over three years. I think you're taking a big risk there. No, you're I think you're right. Actually, deal is you're right. At, at the time that they signed that too, that that was the right deal because like he had just came yeah. off like a pretty bad, sh- albeit shortened twenty twenty season. Um, but he, you know, he's a guy that had yeah. a, a good track record and he had a really good year in twenty eighteen, and. It, there was some risk there, and like like Greg said too, there's a lot of infield depth coming up in the Blue Jays system. So you sign a guy like that for one year, and maybe uh, a Jordan Groshans is is ready next season to kind of step in there. So we'll see. Well, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like for sure. Yeah. Getting ahead of myself, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think we talked enough Blue Jays there for maybe the next few episodes, <laughs> but. Uh, Next thing we want to talk about is this no-hitter curse. So if you haven't seen it, it's kind of this uh, this funny thing that's going on right now. There's a couple clubs that are really struggling on the road. We'll start with the team that's struggling a little bit less than the other one, which is the Baltimore Orioles. So on May 5th in Seattle, John Means, of course, threw a no-hitter. It was the first individual no-hitter that the Orioles franchise has had since 1969. Since that game, the (laughs) Orioles have lost 19 straight games on the road. So that is six straight 
road series sweeps. That's pretty bad. And uh, if you think that's bad, Arizona said, hold my beer. They've lost fucking 23 games in a row on the road. Absolutely horrendous. The crazy thing about that is that that actually dates back as well to the Madison Bumgartner seven inning no hitter that took place on uh, April 25th. I don't know if I already said that, but you know, it's been really ugly for Arizona, even outside of like all these, you know, the 23 straight road game losses. I believe they're like five and 35 in their last 40 or something like that. They're just playing terrible baseball right now. They actually had a chance on the road in San Francisco this week. They had a 7-0 lead early in the game, and they fucking choked it. You guys believe in this curse? I believe in Rob Manfred banning sunscreen to kill his pitchers more than I believe in a curse. Like, no. (laughs) I I believe it's a case of shitty teams that, you know, (laughs) had a good pitching performance or in and do a cold cold opposition offense and uh just kept being shitty after <laughs> okay yeah that's probably fair i mean we're looking but at the, the orioles and the d-backs like those are two of the bottom what bottom four teams in the league yeah to be fair i didn't think the diamondbacks were going to be as bad as they have been this season yeah. they got some they got some decent players um but they've yeah they've been really really bad this year so i mean they've, they've also had like quite a lot of injuries so but what team hasn't really, right? All right. Well, that's pretty much it for our MLB storylines, I think, that we needed to touch on this week. We'll get back into that next week again. But we've got an exciting new segment that at least we're really excited about. Hopefully, you as the listeners enjoy it as well. But over the next 30 episodes here, We're reserving some time to go through all 30 MLB teams and create their all-time great team, the GOAT teams for each franchise. Basically, we're going to give you their starting lineup, their starting rotation, and maybe a few vital bullpen arms. Um, But we kind of thought maybe it would be best to start with the the teams that haven't quite been around as long so we can kind of lead in and build up the hype towards the more storied franchises like, you know, the Cubs and the Red Sox and definitely not the Yankees. But (laughs) Maybe we should mention as well that um, there is a catch with creating these rosters. There can only be one player per team. So this player, for example, a guy like, I'm going to spoil one, but Randy Johnson cannot be on two teams. He can't be on Seattle and Arizona. He can only be on one or the other. Yeah. Yep. So we're basically looking at guys that for that franchise are the GOAT for that franchise. You know, So all of the numbers, I don't know if you guys did the same thing. I worked on the starting lineup uh, this week for us. We're going to kind of filter through. So like Greg will do it next week. Isaac will do it the week after or whatever. Um, I only pulled up the numbers for their season's in Arizona so yeah yeah um I guess I didn't even lead into the fact that we were doing Arizona but you know they're a team that's been struggling they're also uh the youngest team along with the the Rays right yeah 1998 1998 exactly so we're gonna show some love to the Arizona Diamondbacks today because they desperately need it we are gonna create the GOAT Arizona D-backs roster 
let's start in the bullpen because it's less exciting than the lineup. Greg, who do you got? Okay, I want to say the bullpen's pretty exciting. There's a, a guy I'm going to include. He's a bit of a marketing ploy, but I think he he had some talent on the mound as well. We're going to fill out the bullpen, so I'm going to give you closer setup, middle reliever, you know, other guys that we're going to throw in. So at the top of the list, best reliever in D-backs history is Byung-Hun Kim. Uh, over six years, highest B-war of any team history reliever, 8.3. Uh, his ERA plus is 159. He won a World Series. I think that's a huge, uh, huge factor into this in 2001. Uh, and his best season was 02. He had 36 saves, just over two ERA. Uh, so Byung-Hun Kim, number one reliever, but he's going to be our setup man. Our closer is going to be Jose Valverde. 47 saves in 2007, also an all-star season, spent five years in Arizona. He's your closer. Brad Ziegler, uh, kind of uh, kind of like that Julian Merriweather that you were talking about, could be a setup guy, could be a closer. Uh, he had he spent seven years in Arizona, uh, most appearances as a reliever in D-backs history, and in 2015, a sub-2 ERA, 30 saves. Uh, those are your three guys that I'm locking into your top three relievers in D-backs history. Um, the marketing ploy guy I will get to is Archie Bradley. <laughs> Beard. I don't know if you want to chime in on uh, any significance of Archie Bradley. I know, Jacob, you uh, you wanted to see him on this list. Um, I'm also going to throw out another name, uh, JJ Putz. 45 saves in 2011, 217 ERA, and that will round out the bullpen. No, I, I think you uh, you got everyone. You gave a little bit of love to Archie there. I just think that, you know, in, in recent history, at least, he's been a guy that the Diamondbacks fans have have come to love. So I, I I thought it'd be unfair if we didn't show a little bit of love to him. You know, they've been selling lots of t-shirts that had his beard on it, uh, more so like a couple of years ago. But uh, he's he's definitely been a, a good bullpen arm for them. So, yeah, shout out Archie Bradley. I think we need to mention, too, this roster is the youngest one. So we're not going to have a – we're not – this is by far – the shallowest roster we're gonna have of our goat teams like yes yeah yeah yeah. archie bradley is not gonna make it anywhere else <laughs> yeah <laughs> but congratulations archie bradley no no slight you've you've made the fringe bullpen <laughs> for the arizona diamondbacks uh, fuck. we should also acknowledge the fact that they won a world series four years into their existence that's absolutely insane. That's True. pretty crazy. This isn't hockey where you can win a championship off the bat, which <laughs> if we're talking about Mickey Mouse Cy Young, that's a Mickey Mouse fucking NHL win. But all right. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry. <laughs> off track. Well, I was just going to say, is, are the Arizona Diamondbacks the Las Vegas Golden Knights of baseball? Could be. I, I don't want to say they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Should we move into uh, starting pitchers then? Yeah, let's see it. That's you, Alrighty. son. Well, obviously, one of the greatest pitchers of all time also donned this Arizona Diamondbacks jersey in the prime when they had the teal and the purple pinstripes. Fucking amazing jerseys. Sex. Fire. It is the big unit, the GOAT Hall of Famer, first ballot, second all-time leader in strikeouts after Nolan Ryan. That is Randy Johnson. He played eight years with Arizona in his first six years. He had a 2.65 ERA, 1.04 whip, 1,389 innings, and 1,832 Ks. And that was all between the ages of 35 and 40. And this isn't the greatest part. He won four straight Cy Youngs <laughs> in that jersey. Four straight. And he won five 
in his to- his whole career, but four of them came back to back to back to back. Absolutely insane. Um, number two, aside from being a fucking nutcase and spending the bulk of his career in Philly, it is Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling had his best years, four years in um, Arizona. He came second in Cy Young voting in 2001 and 2002, just behind his buddy Randy Johnson. There's obviously no doubt in those years that that was the best one-two punch in baseball. Um, not to mention, they won the 2001 World Series together. That's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, so those were his best career years. Unfortunately, we're counting him out now in Philly. He can't make that roster. So, hopefully, Philly has it. I'm sure oh, yeah. Philly's deep enough. But well, we'll find some people in Philly. That's yeah. for sure. That won't be an issue. All right, number three. And this one right here, I think he could have easily been up there with Kurt Schilling if he hadn't had – severe injuries this goes back to our conversation we had last week with the injuries this is one guy that definitely could have had a hall of fame career if he continued playing Uh, brandon webb had a seven-year career and all of those were with arizona he had multiple um all-star appearances three-time all-star actually and one-time cy young winner and he came in he came in second twice for cy young voting as well he never posted an era over four which is pretty crazy, not even his rookie season. Actually, he never had an ERA over 3.6. So he had a very amazing career, and he only pitched under 200 innings once, and that was in his rookie season. So this guy obviously would have been amazing. He had back, neck, every injury that you could think of, shoulder. Like, he's this poor guy, but had an amazing career. Um, Hall of Fame track, unfortunately, got cut short. So now we get into the more iffy guys. Um, Darren Dan Heron in 15 years he's not going to be on this roster but he had a fairly good career in Arizona a good stint um, despite playing for eight different organizations and playing over only just over two seasons in Arizona two of his three all-star appearances came with Arizona and during that era of Arizona's baseball he was definitely their best pitcher at that time um, so we'll just breeze by him now this one I like Dan Heron we like him too, is, but isn't he, he Canadian is he? too? I mean, I'll check. Did, I, got it, I got it right here. 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 Um, no, he's definitely from California. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of someone else. Then. But <laughs> you definitely are. <laughs> All right, so this one right here, I I had a difficult time. I wanted to say Zach Granke because he he had two good seasons with them. He was a huge acquisition at the time for Arizona. But I want to keep him in contention for Kansas City. I agree. I like so, it. And look, we're very shallow here. I almost <laughs> considered Robbie Ray because he had, he had a great season for them. I'm going with Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin had a couple good years with them. He had two, uh, two all-star appearances with Arizona in his six years. Um, and then, obviously, lost out to free agency. I believe it was free agency, at least, to Washington. And don't look at his numbers this year, because then you're going to be like, well, he shouldn't be on any team because he's at a 7-year-A. But, no, but he's he's not on the da- Diamondbacks now, so, so it doesn't matter. I, I, <laughs> I, I did factor in numbers. I did look at the numbers throughout their other seasons because I wanted them to be great players. But Patrick Corbin's my fifth guy rounding up the roster. He's also going to be gone in a couple of years. But, um, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully Zach Gallen takes that spot. Yeah, true. Eh? Zach- I love Zach yeah. Gallen. I I hope that he can he can move in there. Randy Johnson also with the debatably best mustache in MLB history. 
I think Raleigh Fingers might have something to say about that. We had some good mustaches through a history of baseball, so. A whole other segment. Isaac, did you, I, sorry, I was looking something up. Did you make mention of Robbie Ray? Did I hear that? <laughs> yeah, he had he had posted under a three ERA for one season there. Like, Yeah, I, in 2017, he had a 2.89. He was an all-star. You know, had a good year that year. All I think it he takes, struck out a lot of people. All too. it really takes is one good season yeah. to be on that rotation after the top three. And so that's why Robbie Ray was in legitimate contention for that fifth spot, as Yikes. sad as that it might be. Dude, 20, 2017, the the... D-backs had a decent rotation, I'm pretty sure. Okay, we, can, them we need good. to say Zach Greinke is easily the best pitcher yeah. of those three, but he just mm-hmm. he's pitched for so many organizations. Fairly insignificant time with Arizona, so I yeah. I, I think of him more that. as a Royal, so I think he'll probably he'll probably come up with that organization Debatably. to me. If he uh, that's a, if he even makes it, yeah, we'll see. It'll be close. What do you have okay. for your starting yeah. lineup, Jacob? And I think we have well, debate in this one because we touched on it a little bit. We do. We all kind of went over this a little bit beforehand. Uh, so this, I'm, I'm starting my starting lineup with, you know, my picks. And then we'll kind of, def- we'll let Greg and Isaac chime in and give their two cents, even if they're going to be completely wrong, because I have the perfect starting lineup here. Uh, <laughs> we'll start with something a little less exciting, which is usually... A little less exciting, which is the catcher position. Uh, but Miguel Montero spent nine seasons with the D-back. You know, he was just a really like sturdy backstop who, you know, you just see him out there every game. And uh, basically, he had a 2.64 average, 3.42 on base percentage, and 7.63 OPS across his nine seasons. He was also a two-time All-Star. So. There wasn't a lot going on at the catcher position here for the the Diamondbacks, but Miguel Montero is is a worthy guy, especially considering the fact that you know he spent he spent nine seasons with the team, so definitely has his face embedded in in the franchise roots there a little bit. <clears throat> Move into something a little more exciting. I know you guys probably are 100% on board with with this one for for first baseman Paul Goldschmidt. Yep. Lock Easy money. I don't think there's there's any other debate. I don't know if you guys even have an honorable mention that you want to throw in for first base with no. the Diamondbacks. I, I don't think there is anyone. He spent eight seasons with the franchise. He was easily the face of the franchise for those eight seasons. Uh, just a great leader and a fan favorite. He was a six-time All-Star, won three gold gloves, four silver slugger awards, and he finished second in MVP voting twice in his stint with the Diamondbacks. Across his eight seasons, he also put up a 297 batting average, 398 on base percentage, which is really, really good. He's like notoriously good at, at uh, taking walks. Uh, he had 209 home runs, had a 930 OPS, and even threw in 124 stolen, bra- stolen bases. Played 1,092 games with the club straight up no brainer Paul Goldschmidt yeah. all right let's see let's hear your second base hold on hold on you're coming in with Jacob cheated with position eligibility a bit we gotta put that straight away like I did not okay okay all also right. but before you say your second baseman one more thing are you gonna give us your like game day lineup with all your picks at the end you know your one through nine hitters I didn't but that's because I was saving it for something. Uh, I was thinking, 
you know, what we want to do at the end of us going through and creating all these teams is kind of have a playoff with them. So at that time, maybe in those episodes, we'll throw together our starting lineups for the two competing teams. Maybe we have the Rays versus the, you know, versus the, uh, the Diamondbacks here, so it's kind of a even playing field or something. And we'll throw together our starting lineups, our starting pitcher, and decide who wins. But uh, so no, I didn't. I I didn't do that today. Yeah. We'll save that for another time. But you want to hear my second baseman, right? Yep. Throw it out. The fucking O dog, Orlando Hudson, is my starting second baseman for this all-time Diamondbacks roster. This might be a little bit of a personal bias, but I actually think he has a real case here. He played three seasons with the Diamondbacks. Uh, he played he the only team he played more with was the Blue Jays, where he spent four seasons, which is obviously where I kind of fell in love with him as a player. According to him, the D-backs are his team. I actually stumbled across this in a weird way. I was looking him up on Cameo, and I found him and. He said he mentioned something about the Blue Jays, but the Diamondbacks were his number one team. So to me, he's a Diamondback. Also, his three seasons that he spent with the Diamondbacks were his best three seasons of his career. In those three seasons, he put together a 294 batting average, a 365 on base percentage, and an 814 OPS. He also added 23 stolen bases to that. Awards-wise, he won two gold gloves and made an all-star appearance. All-star appearance. Defense is important here, and he was a fantastic second baseman. If we're rounding out like you know our complete teams here, and you want to factor in everything, I think you got to factor in defense a little bit. And he was no slouch at the plate. At the plate, so I think he belongs on this list. He is my second baseman. Um. I, I think the pick is a it's a good take. I agree with most of it, but I would substitute that that name for someone else's. I also want to say, if defense is so highly valued, is John McDonald being considered for your Blue Jays shortstop all time team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oh, okay. Who, hold on, Greg. Who's your second base? I went with Jay Bell, for one. He, number three guy on I think there's second, one, second base. one factor that I valued higher than all the other ones. So he did have an all-star season with the D-backs, but he won a championship. And I, I feel like that's, that's more than, you know, two gold gloves, I think, is what, what O-Dog had, right? I. So are we considering... There's bums everywhere that have fucking... Tay Oscar Hernandez technically won a... a, 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 a oh my God, a ring... With the Astros. So we're so considering... He, he wasn't even on the team. It doesn't mean anything. So we're considering the 26th man on the roster as an all-time great because he won a World Series. That's kind of what we're going by? Is that what's happening? Uh, well, I'm <laughs> I'm saying O-Dog is a good pick. I'm not I'm not arguing saying uh, he shouldn't be there. I'm just, you know, I'm throwing out J-Bell because I think just he deserves to, to be, deserves to be considered. Fair. Um, I know you okay. You probably have a different one, right, Isaac? Yes. But I, no, I'm don't, saving, don't say I'm it saving yet, it because Jacob has him somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. At shortstop here, uh, there wasn't a ton of options. I went with Steven Drew. I think that that was kind of the, the obvious yeah. pick. He spent seven years in Arizona. He had a, a decent little career with them there. Um, 266 average, 
329 on base percentage and a 765 OPS. He didn't have any all-star appearances, but he could have been there in 2008 and 2010 when he put together a couple pretty good seasons. Um, like I said, just kind of a lack of better options. You guys, you guys good with Steven Druid shortstop? Yeah, I think we all had him there. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, let's move over to third base then. This one might be a little bit more uh, of, a, of a hot pick, well, I guess, but there, there wasn't a ton of options at third base here, in my opinion, except... Well, Isaac, Isaac will touch on it after. Isaac, who... Well, maybe we'll just let him go so, now. Who do you think is the best third baseman to have played for Okay, Arizona? so Matt Williams is easily the best third baseman they have ever had. However, Matt Williams is also the best third baseman that the Giants have ever had. And the Giants had him for longer. I So I think just off of that contingency, I don't think we should include him on this roster. He was also drafted by the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, correct? So I think he really is a Giant at heart. So that's why I didn't include him on this list. He was a well. four-time gold glove and a four-time silver slugger. That, and I'm sure there's yeah, more. I, I like it. All, we'll yeah, talk about him. We'll talk up. about him later when we get to the Giants. But my pick for third base for the Arizona Diamondbacks all-time great team is Mark Reynolds. Okay, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's in his four seasons with the D-backs, he put up an 817 OPS and hit 121 home runs, which averages out to a little over 30 per year. He had 44 homers and 102 RBIs in his 2009 season. I just think, you know, he he also hit 32, I think, uh, in another season there. He, he had a few good seasons with them for sure. Um, just a slugger. He's pretty decent defender there as well uh for lack of a better option i like mark reynolds as my third base pick agreed okay all right here here's where things get a little a little tricky here in the outfield there's one obvious goat who i'll i'll list at the end here but i have Catel Marte. no as one of the three outfielders for the arizona diamondbacks now, before these clowns try to make an argument, he has made more starts at center field than he has at second base um, this season, and I'm pretty sure the last season as well. They've basically shifted him to an outfield role. He's only 27 years old, so he could continue the rest of his career as an outfielder, so I don't even see what the argument is about you know, moving him away from there. But I had to shift him to the outfield because I had to make room for my boy Orlando Hudson, but uh, what, are you, what are you pointing your finger at me there for? My argument is not that Cattell Marte shouldn't be on the team. It's that he should have to be at second base. I, but I do fully agree that he is on this all-time great team. And I know Greg's point is going to be like, oh, he's still too young. The, the, Greg's replacements for Cattell Marte in the outfield have as much experience in Arizona as Cattell Marte does. So I don't know what his <laughs> argument is. Okay, well, hold, hold on. So... Is your argument then that he shouldn't be, he should be at second base to make more room in the outfield because there's more deserving people than Orlando Hudson in the outfield? Is that yes. your point? Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. But I, I um, don't disagree with let, Orlando let me just, Hudson there. Like, I, I'm neutral. Okay. Let me just rhyme off then uh, some of Cattell Marte's stats because he has had a really good career 
with the Diamondbacks so far. And like I mentioned, he's only 27, so he's got lots of time to improve on those numbers. But right now, just looking at these numbers, he deserves to be on this list kind of undoubtedly, even if he's still playing. He's got a 293 career average with the Diamondbacks. Again, this is all just with the Diamondbacks. He was uh, with Seattle for a little bit as well. But 293 career batting average with the Diamondbacks, 357 on base percentage, 845 OPS. That's solid, uh, obviously. He's got 32 home runs, 92 RBIs, 329 average, 981 OPS, and 10 stolen bases in 2019. He also finished fourth in MVP voting that year and made his first all-star appearance. He deserves to be on this list. I yes. I don't know what Greg's argument is, but we'll let him have it. Um, I I don't know where I want to start with this. I do you want do you want my three names that I have over him? No, no, because I might have one of them. Well, we we all have one. That's the same. I can guarantee that. But I I think Kettle Marte. I'm with Isaac. Should have been considered maybe at second base. Um. I don't have him in the outfield. Great numbers. Uh, Isaac kind of hit my nail on the head with he's young and he's not proven yet. I think he had a season I didn't or two say where that. he was... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I did not say that. You said he's, he's what, 27? Pro- and and he's proved himself. He's played as long as the guys that you're about to say for Arizona, and he's had better years for Arizona than the names that you want over him. I, how many years has he been in Arizona? Number five? Uh, looking it is it up in right his now. fifth season. Yeah. Here. There you go. Um, fifth so season. The guys that I have, I believe, have more seasons than him. Uh, they have put put up consistent numbers, fairly consistent numbers over those seasons. Uh, I just want to double check one of them, so I'm not giving you false stats here. Um, oh, so is Cattell Marte. Okay. Though. that's my yeah, whole point. I... Like his first year, his first year with the Diamondbacks was like his worst season, pretty much. And he put up a 260 batting average, 345 on base percentage, 740 OPS. That was like his worst season with the team. So I, I don't even see what the argument is. Like that in itself is is a pretty solid season. Okay, what uh, if, what if he? Am- he's just he's been consistent since he's since he's moved there. The last three years have been his three best years of his career. Um, like I, I, I just think it's obvious that he should be on this list. What, what if he implodes? The rest of his career, he never hits over 250. You know, never, never hits double-digit home runs, whether it's injuries or not. Is he and still on the we're list? Wrong. Well, I don't think, I don't think it matters. I think you look at like a guy like Mark Reynolds that only spent a couple years with, uh, like four years with the team or whatever. He had two really good seasons with the team, and that was enough to solidify him as the the all-time third baseman for the Diamondbacks. I think if you it doesn't really matter what happens in the rest of his career. Like he's already had this established block of five solid seasons with the team. Um, I think Mark Reynolds case is different because of the depth at third base. I think um, you guys, I got obviously don't agree with my picks, but I think they've spent longer time in Arizona. They've put up numbers across the board. They've won accolades, whether it's all-star gold glove, silver slugger. Um, I don't think Kettle Marte has won a gold glove or a silver slugger. Am I wrong? Did he win one in 2019? No. no. He's just, uh, but he has been an all-star. and Fourth in MVP voting. I mean, that's, I mean, that should be worthy that's of something. a silver slugger. 
that was a that was a good year too. Cody Bellinger had a good year. Um, I think Christian Yelich maybe won it that. No, he yeah, didn't win it that year. Sure. But but there there was a few good names ahead of him. He had a really good season. If we want to like, I, I already ran off the numbers for his uh, 2019 season, but here it is again: 32 home runs, 92 RBIs, 3.29 batting average, 9.81 OPS, and 10 stolen bases. That is a fantastic season. He deserves to be on this list. I de- definitely, definitely a great season, but there, I, it evades me right now. But uh, think of another guy who had an incredible season, but didn't do tons for the rest of his career. Maybe, maybe even two good seasons, and just kind of fell off the map. He's 27, like you said, right? Yeah. What if, what if age 28, 29, 30, he's either injured, doesn't do shit, kind of fades into the back of your memory? Well, I don't think I, he's still considered I think it, for the list. I think things are trending well for him right now, though, to to continue to have a good career. I think we're taking a risk, risk putting a young guy on this all-time great roster. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's safer when it's a new team. Like A lot of these guys aren't going to be on this exactly. roster in 10 years. Yeah. Yes. I Can I, can I just say my picks? Jacob, why don't you say okay, your picks yeah, first? No, Jacob, let, me, let me give let me give yeah. you my other okay. picks first. Okay, so my next guy on the list is Steve Finley. Uh, he was there in the formative years of the franchise from '99 to 2003. He picked up two Gold Gloves and had an All Star appearance. His career average um, with the team was 278. He had an 854 OPS and 130 home runs along with 62 stolen bases. Uh, he had a 34 and 35 home run season in 99 and 2000. Scored a lot of runs for the team. Just a really well-rounded offensive and defensive player. I think he deserved to be on this list. Um, and then, obviously, do you guys have anything to say about Steve Finley? Well, he's the more debatable no. one over the next one. Can you just tell us the obvious pick? Yeah. The obvious pick is Luis Gonzalez. It's not even close. Like, he's yeah. he is the GOAT of this franchise offensively. Outside of, when you think of Arizona, like, the first person you probably think about is Randy Johnson, right? Yeah. Obviously, Randy Johnson. Let's... <laughs> yeah, second person that you think about Goldschmidt. is Luis Gonzalez, I, for sure. I, I'm on the Gonzalez train over Goldschmidt. I think Goldie is the Not greatest true. offensive player that Arizona's had. False. Not okay, well, I'll give you I'll give you Luis Gonzalez's number here, numbers side, here, yeah. and yeah, it's not going to bode well for you. No, fuck. Um, <laughs> he's he's the goat on the on this in this starting lineup, in my opinion. He was there again formative years, which I think is important to think about. You know what in in terms of like being in in the hearts of the Diamondbacks fan base, it's it's hard to take Luis Gonzalez over Paul Goldschmidt, but he was there for eight seasons, like I said, formative years, had a 298 batting average, 391 on base percentage, and a 919 OPS. He also had 224 career home runs with the Diamondbacks, 774 RBIs. He had five all-star game appearances and a Silver Slugger award. And this is the craziest thing to me. For we're talking about like single season success here. Let's listen to this fucking season that he had in 2001. 57 home runs, 142 RBIs. Pretty sick, right? He also hit 325 with a 429 on base percentage, yeah. which is an 1117 OPS. 
It's insane. That's like a crazy single season. Goldschmidt did not have a single season to that level. Nothing really even close to that. Okay, so, oh, sorry, what was his career OPS with uh, Arizona? 919. Oh, well, I mean, Goldschmidt's got the edge there, but... What, what does he have? What is it? 930. Okay. Oh, okay, so like, what, 10, 10 points? How many home runs so, does he have in how many... Wait, how many years? 224 across eight seasons. Okay, well, 209... Goldschmidt has the edge in stolen bases, I'm assuming. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so I don't okay. know. I, I, I think you can you're making a point. Them, but you're making there's a, a real there's a real case for Paul Goldschmidt being the best offensive player that Arizona has seen to date. I think though, when you can cons- like when you put together a season like Luis Gonzalez did in 2001, that just like so solidifies you. Yeah. yeah, and they win the World Series that year. Like it, it just so solidifies you as like one of the franchise greats when you put together a season like that especially in a winning season uh so to me he he has the has the edge there but i guess like you you made a good case there for for just going numbers wise right goldie was an all-star six of eight years he was there Mm -hmm. so so he has one more all-star appearance too but all-star appearances can be kind of not necessarily a great indicator because you know, if someone puts together a really good first half, they're okay, in an sorry, all-star then, game, and then they can fall off. Does so. it make you feel better if I say he had four silver sluggers and three gold gloves in yeah. that time? Okay, there you go. I told you. I think it's a. I think it's a. Like you're making a good case for for Goldschmidt to be considered. You know, the the best offensive guy for, well, and maybe well-rounded too with the, the yeah, gold gloves. Too. But, yeah, I don't know. Right, I love yeah. Luis Gonzalez. I think that that one season in 2001 really made him like the the goat of the of the well, franchise. Well, yeah, he he obviously yeah. led that team offensively into the World Series. So I no, I get him being the face of the offense, but All right. I yeah, I'm taking Luis as well just because of the uh the World Series championship. Cool. Do you want to just quickly give us your your outfield picks then? Okay, so while you guys were talking there, I reevaluated. I'm not <laughs> I'm not admitting defeat. I'm just going <laughs> to toss a couple more names into the ring. Yeah, give some honorable mentions. Because I'm reevaluating my my choices, but I'm going to throw out the name AJ Pollock, mm-hmm. um, as well as David Peralta. Uh, David Peralta mm-hmm. has, what, seven or eight seasons there uh, since 2013. Um, 94 home runs, 400 RBI, led the league in triples in 2015. Overall, 288 average, silver slugger, gold glove. I think that's a legit case. Um, he was also on the strong side of a platoon. He was a platoon player for his first like five yeah. years there. Um, mm-hmm. I think this name I'm uh, backpedaling a bit on is the AJ Pollock. Um, I think looking at the numbers side by side now, reevaluating with the points you made, I think I'll take Kettle Marte over AJ Pollock. Uh, but just to give him a little shout out, let me pull up his uh, his numbers here. Um, yeah, I think that both Peralta and um, Pollock deserve honorable mentions. There, Pollock was a was yeah. a solid player with the Diamondbacks for a while, and Peralta just continues to be a guy that's you know solidifying himself as as a longtime Diamondback. Yeah, Justin um, Upton as well in his first six years, he's needs to be mentioned. I I'd put sure. Upton more fringe than. Than Peralta and Pollock personally. Hey, these are just honorable mentions, yeah. so they're yeah, all these French. guys aren't yeah. making it. Yeah. <laughs> Pollock's best season, 2015, he was an All Star, 
uh, kind of down the list of MVP voting, but also won a gold glove. He had an 865 OPS, uh, 498 slugging, uh, 315 average, which is worth something, 20 home runs, 76 RBI, and he had 673 plate appearances, which a guy who struggled with injuries a lot, that's very significant. Are we pick- so if we're picking one season, then I'm, I'm for the case for Justin Upton, 31 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 289 average, 898 OPS, all-star silver slugger in 2011 when he's 23. So, I mean, the case is equal, I think, for those three guys. Yeah. I think those are those are good honorable mentions. Well, we'll leave it at that. We'll give you our quick re. I'm going to give a quick recap here. So, Greg, do you want to just run back the uh, your bullpen picks? Yeah, we got Byung-Hun Kim, Brad Ziegler, Jose Valverde, and then to round out the bullpen, we got Archie Bradley and J.J. Putz. My rotation is Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Logan Webb, Dan Heron, and Patrick Corbin. Brandon Webb. Brandon. Brandon Webb. Did I not say Brandon Webb? You said said Logan Logan Webb. Webb. Oopsie. Wrong Webb. Uh, And then the starting lineup is Miguel Montero, Paul Goldschmidt, Orlando Hudson, Stephen Drew, Mark Reynolds, Cattell Marte, Steve Finley, and Luis Gonzalez. So... Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little segment that we did. We will be back next week with more weekly recap on what's going on in the MLB. And we will also come back. I think we're probably going to do the Rays next year or next week for our all-time GOAT teams. So stay tuned for that. If you want to follow along, we are on Instagram at Sports. We are also online our website is shapebysports.com have a new article out as i mentioned about the blue jays bullpen so if you want to go check that out please do so thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next week